All right. So, hey, this is Brent Leary, and uh, this guy is lifting weights. You can't see him, but I see he's, he's like, getting ready. He's pumping up for this uh, conversation, the guy being Jeremy Epstein, who is the founder. Look at this, doing the bob and weave and everything. This is some good stuff. Uh, Jeremy Epstein is the CEO and founder of Never Stop Marketing, and he also is about to drop this really interesting ebook on a very interesting topic that we're going to be talking about. The name of the ebook is The CMO Primer for the Blockchain World How This Trust Machine Impacts Branding, Customer Experience, Advertising, and Much More. Jeremy, thank you. Yeah, you can put the weights down now. <laughs> Just like I'm talking to Conor McGregor over here or something like that. Jeremy, man, thanks for joining me. Thank you. Can I be Floyd uh, Mayweather instead of McGregor? But Money Mayweather? Okay. Well, you know. I don't know. I think Mayweather was going to win, but yeah, whatever. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Either one of those guys are okay. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, thanks for having me, Brent. Always a pleasure to chat with one of my faves in the uh, technology space. Absolutely, man. Well, it's been a little while since uh, we last talked. Of course, the last time you talked, uh, a couple of years ago, you were at Sprinkler still. Right. But now you are back to being the the head honcho the man when it comes to never stop marketing and the focus that you have really uh, gone into i would say gone all in is around this area called blockchain which we're going to talk about but before we do that maybe you can give folks a little bit of a reminder of who you are sure so yeah thank you so my name is jeremy epstein i'm the ceo and founder of never stop marketing which i like to say is not just a company but a mantra and a way of life and uh, you know basically I do two things I help uh, startups and smaller companies really get um, you know the benefit of, of uh, some senior marketing experience in a virtual CMO fashion to help them with their strategies their value propositions their messaging and also I help explain some of these disruptive technologies to more mainstream audiences um, and sort of more enterprise audiences I should say and uh, help them think about how can they prepare to not only defend their turf from a marketing perspective, but also what strategic initiatives they can take to possibly uh, grow revenues, um, leveraging some of these technologies. So that's where I that's where I sit. NeverStopMarketing.com. There you go. Well, and of course, the thing that you are never stop marketing, or at least talking about and writing about right now, is this thing uh, called blockchain, and. Uh, I don't know how many people out there really know a great deal about it. They may have heard of it because of Bitcoin, and it's kind of the, the technology underpinnings for that. But maybe you can give us a, a high-level definition of what exactly blockchain is. Sure. So, uh, from a, a technology perspective, you know what what blockchain basically is is a globally distributed database. So. Everyone has a copy of the database. So imagine we all have a Google Sheet or a Microsoft Excel spreadsheet, and we're all looking at the exact same copy of it. So instead of having a copy stored in one central location, we have a copy of that ledger of all that information stored at every computer or all the participating computers around the world. And what that does, and that's the security of that is, is guaranteed by some pretty cool kind of cryptography and uh, some other ways of making sure that the data is not is sort of tamper resistant. So that's at a sort of very, very core level. But just like I tell people, you know, you don't need to know that SMTP is the protocol that makes your email work. You just need to know that email is faster than faxing. 
Uh, I think the same thing applies to blockchain. And so I think that the key thing to walk away from this is not how does blockchain work, it's that it works. And if you're a business owner or you're anybody, um, the, the important thing to think about is, okay, what does this mean for me? What does this mean for my business? What does this mean for my company um, in the years to come? And, and that's kind of where I, I spend most of my time. So get it. It's a really interesting, maybe game-changing technology. Uh, it's kind of the, the driving force beneath Bitcoin. So if anybody is kind of involved with that, using that as a way to do transactions without having a lot of government intervention, a lot of you know intermediaries like banks and all that kind of stuff. But if you're not into that, well, if you're just a straight uh, you know business guy who's looking at it from a standpoint of how does this improve my business, how does this maybe improve the way I'm able to market and brand myself, why should those kind of people pay attention and be interested in what blockchain has to offer? That's a great question. So the, the, the primary implication of blockchains, as I see it, is that for the first time ever, we are able to transact items of value directly between two people with lower cost, less risk, and increased speed without the need for any centralized intermediaries. That's the game changer here. If you think about the number of third parties in our lives, right, excuse me, that are serving as these trust brokers, if you will, whether it's your bank or the MVP, MVA or Facebook or Uber or, you know, the Better Business Bureau. I mean, you could go on and on and on. Zagats, you know, all of these institutions are basically, hey, Brent, you don't really trust Jeremy, and Jeremy, you don't really pr trust Brent, but because both of you trust me, I can broker that deal. I mean, if you've ever refinanced your mortgage, or bought a house for that matter, all those documents that you sign are basically third parties that saying, you know, title insurance, mortgage insurance, all those are all third parties that are trying to provide some guarantee to each of the people participating in the contract. Well, imagine a world where you don't need any of those where any third-party business that is based on brokering trust and getting paid for that is something that's no longer necessary. So that's huge, right? There's huge amounts of money and huge amounts of time and waste that happen because you have to do everything through a third party. I mean, you live in Atlanta. If you're flying from Atlanta to San Francisco, is it easier to fly direct or changing plans in O'Hare? Well, obviously, right? So you, you can reduce cost, you can reduce time, you can improve um, security. Why? Because when you have a centralized institution, um, that centralized institution needs to maintain all of the information about both parties. Well, why do you think hackers go after the banks? It's like John Dillinger, that's where the money is. Well, today, that's where the data is. Right? So all these systems have all the data, which makes us actually more exposed. But instead, in a distributed, decentralized manner, if you have a thousand computers that all maintain a record that Brent has five Bitcoin and Jeremy has two Bitcoin, well, even if you compromise one or two or ten computers, the rest of the computers say, wait a second, no, that's not the ledger, and, the, and we're going to update it and keep it, keep the integrity. And so the amount of computing power that you need to change history or to steal information is ginormous compared to what we've got in our current system. I don't mean to yell, I just get super excited about it. So if you're a business owner, what you need to understand is the third party institutions that basically are brokering trust right now, 
between other parties, they're like in the crosshairs of this disruption. And what it does is it starts removing a lot of waste, a lot of friction, um, and a lot of cost from the system, which if that's your business, you're going to have a challenge. And if it's not your business, it presents an opportunity for you to say, okay, how can I leverage this to do things? Now, I focus on the marketing side, but there are a billion possible kind of implementations. So I noticed in the book, which is a really cool book, you put a lot of stuff in here and very helpful, um, but you, you name a couple of use cases, customer experience, branding, advertising, commerce and sales, loyalty, data, and management and leadership. Uh, we can't cover all that right now. And since I'm Good. a CRM guy, <laughs> since I'm Good. like a CRM guy, let's let's talk about customer experience. Where do you see blockchain making the biggest impact when it comes to customer experience? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, this book was basically written to help enterprise and Fortune 5000 marketers understand this, right? And that's why it's got the foreword by the chief marketing officer of NASDAQ and the chief marketing officer of Dun & Bradstreet, because I needed them to say, hey guys, this thing's real and it's important, you should pay attention. But you know, when you think about customer experience, there are a couple things that happen um, in a blockchain world. And the way I sort of broke down the book um, was into sort of four sections. So the first is like, let's just talk about the, the familiar challenges that everybody has. And the first thing when it comes to customer experience is basically everybody knows is that if you deliver a better experience, you're gonna have people buy more often. Like we've seen that now, like that customer experience and social as you know as well as anybody has been a big, big accelerator for that. But what's interesting now is in a blockchain world, remember everyone has a copy of the database. So in the previous world, you know, data was king. It's who has the data um, is whoever has it is king. That's why Facebook and that's why Google, all these guys are sucking as much data as possible. But in a blockchain world, doesn't matter. Everyone has data because it's open. Now, there are these things called private blockchains, but we'll leave that aside for a moment. But basically now that information is available. So that's number one. So then the question is, okay, well, how do I interpret that data as much as possible? And that's where the real like arms race of the next generations can be is, how do I analyze that data? How do I do artificial intelligence, machine learning on top of it? Everyone has the same data. It's like we all have the same starting point. It's who can get the insights, who can ask the questions you know, faster, better, and understand that. So I think what you're gonna start seeing in the near term is, okay, we're gonna have slightly better systems now to verify that Brent, you know, on Twitter is the same Brent that we see on, you know, email or YouTube or whatever, which is gonna allow you to deliver more unified customer experiences across every touch point, which is why Sprinkler is such an awesome platform because that's the vision all along, right? Shout out to my Sprinkler people there, right? Product placement. Um, and I think that that's, that's really critical because you want, you, you have to keep pushing customer experience because the data does no longer becomes the differentiator. It's interpreting the data and then delivering the experience based on the insights in the data. So I think that that's going to be sort of the first thing in terms of the accelerant. I think the second thing, though, that's really fascinating is we're going to move into a world where you're going to deliver customer experience without actually necessarily knowing who your customer is. I know this is a crazy idea. Right. Especially for a guy who lives, eats, drinks and sleeps CRM. But in a blockchain world, the individual controls his or her own identity. Right now, I don't control my identity. Every time I log on, I give information to somebody else. They have it. 
But in the blockchain world, I control the identity. I control all the information. The data doesn't sit, you know, on a server. The information might be replicated on a ledger, but the only person who can update that information is the person who controls what's called the private key, which is me. I'm the only person who can make a change that says, you know, I moved from D.C. to New York, or I moved from New York to Atlanta, or I now work at this company. That's the only person who can update it. And then I can decide to whom I'm giving access to that information. And so if you're a company, I don't give you my information and you keep it forever. I might just need to come on and say, you know what, can I prove that I live in, you know, Maryland or whatever, and thereby I don't have to pay sales tax, or I do have to pay sales tax. Yes, I can cryptographically prove that I live in Maryland, but that's all you need to know. I mean, a classic example is if I go into a bar, and get carded, which frankly doesn't ever happen. But let's say it did. You know, right now, you show them your driver's license, which shows them your name, your address, all kind, your date of birth, all that kind of stuff. They don't need any of that. The only thing they need to know is, are you over 21? So you can cryptographically prove I'm over 21, and then they let you in the bar. That's it. Well, then, now you're living in a world where I don't have all this other information about the customer. And I can't even keep the information because they're just kind of giving to me on a permission basis and then pulling it back. The other question is, okay, well, how do you deliver a customer experience if you don't actually have that information about your customer? That's the world we're going to go into. I think, like, I, I don't have the answers. The reason I wrote this book is mostly because I'm trying to figure it out, too. <laughs> like, I don't know. But these are the questions we have to think about. Like, Bitcoin, you brought it up, is a perfect example. Like, I use a few different wallets. Let's say there's one called Jax, J-A-X-X. -X. So I use the Jax wallet to interface with the Bitcoin blockchain. The app is a thin app that sits on top of this Bitcoin protocol. And I can, you know, buy, sorry, I can send or receive Bitcoin from Jax. I can do all this stuff and whatever. They have no idea that it's me using it. They just know this address owns this amount of Bitcoin. And if I don't like the Jack's wallet, you know what I do is I take the private key, which I have, and I just import it to, say, the BitGo wallet. And now I have the interface to the exact same information, but through a different application. Imagine being able to change your bank from city to chase in 40 seconds. I did that with my Bitcoin wallet. So in that world, you know, in that world, you have to be relentlessly focused on customer experience because the switching costs are basically zero. You know, you don't have vendor lock-in and you don't control the data. So the way you win is by delivering amazing customer experiences at the application level. And then some people are like, I'm going to use this wallet because it's more secure. It integrates better with other stuff or whatever it is, right? Like the interface, the color, I don't care. So there's a lot here right now and you're very patient for listening. But I think the, the implications of what blockchains are going to do for customer experience expectations, I think that's going to be far-ranging impact on the data level and as well as just the customer experience sort of, you know, level uh, all over the place. If that makes any sense. Sometimes I'm like, I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. Well, but if you are a, let's say you're an SMB mm -hmm. and you're trying to understand what you need to know and, and how you need to proceed with blockchain or understanding what it could potentially do for your business. 
what is what do they need to know right up front and what maybe do they get from reading this book that will help them understand what they should be looking out for when it comes to this? right so that's a great question so every one of the seven sections ends with sort of a series of like a bottom line and a series of suggested actions of what you can do what you can do today to kind of to kind of get ready so i think if you're an SMB or anyone, the first thing you can do is say, okay, where are the points in my ecosystem where there's a lot of redundancy in the data systems? And maybe it's within my own company or it's within sort of my partners. Okay, well, if that's the case, is there a way to potentially, once I get my head around blockchain, is there a way for me to streamline my back office uh, operations, reduce a lot of these redundancies, improve data integrity, and start to kind of mine the data, not mine, analyze the data in more productive ways so that I can get better insights about the behaviors, not only of my customer, but of my partner's customers, and then in order to sort of extend the value, create new value or new opportunities for value creation um, for them. I think that's that's sort of number one is understand, like, where can I actually do this right now? Um, I think the second thing is to ask yourself is, okay, how do we measure customer experience? How do we know if we're delivering a good customer experience right now? It's almost like blockchain is nice, but start thinking about how do you become a customer experience company? How do you know whether people enjoy interacting with you? Like you have to start taking that very seriously. And it's not customer experience just on your website. It's customer experience at every touch point. It's accounts payable. It's whatever. It's like you have to change your mentality from, wow, the battle for customers, for revenue, is going to be won or lost at, at the customer experience layer. Like it's just, that's where it's gonna happen because everything else is gonna get pushed out. Everything is pu pushing that um, out, out, to the ever, uh, uh, out to the edges. So I think like at a very simple level, and there's a lot here, like I've been doing this for a year, year and a half now, and I'm still confused about what's going on. I don't feel bad. But at a very simple level, like what I'm trying to do with this book is like, okay guys, here's something to try to understand and start to think about. There's still time before you get disrupted, you know, potentially, hopefully not. Start to ask yourself, okay, now that I understand that if, buy, if you buy into the idea that this stuff's inevitable, which I believe it is, and hopefully I can convince you it is too. Actually, I have no skin in this game. I think it is. I'm making the argument that it is. If you, if you understand the inevitability of it and you understand like where it's likely to impact in terms of disrupt, disintermediating third parties, you know, reducing inefficiencies and driving the need for improved customer experience. Then you can take a very close look at your own business and say, okay, where am I dealing with third party intermediaries? Are there startups in that space that are basically looking to disrupt those guys? Can I do it faster, cheaper? You know, where are there inefficiencies in my back office operations and the way I work within my own ecosystems? Can, is there a way to sort of develop some sort of or leverage some sort of blockchain technology to do that, you know, drive my, reduce my risk and reduce my cost? And third is like, okay, how do we become a customer experience focused company, regardless of whether you're a one person shop or you're a 100,000 person shop or company? 